So you've been out there trying to win business. You've sent emails. You've done phone calls. You've had meetings. You've found someone who's interested in what you do. And then they say the words, can you send me a proposal? Now the work really begins because you have to create something, craft something that gets them to agree to use your services to buy your product. And it is unbelievable how many times we get asked to write a proposal and we don't know what to write. So this episode is all about writing proposals that have impact and get you orders. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. It's the proposal writing episode. And I have with me the man who inspired this episode, Patrick, the podcast manager. Welcome back to the show, Patrick. Thanks for having me back. Hello, everybody, again. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to have you back. Uh, So tell us, like, where does this come from? Where did the proposal writing podcast episode come from? What's been going on in your world at the moment? So I recently quit my full-time job and decided to freelance audio production full-time or do freelance audio production. Thank you. And like, while it's all fun and exciting and everything, and you know, you have some customers, obviously you want more business. Obviously I want to fully supplement the income I uh, voluntarily forgave. (laughs) Forgave, forego. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the right word there. And uh, I'm realizing it's a lot harder than it seems. So uh, the big pain point has primarily been writing proposals because I'm trying to send out like four or five a day minimum. And uh, wow. I'm, yeah, I'm not getting a lot of responses. Okay, so our our ratio of responses is low. So we're sending out four or five a day, but we're just not getting messages back. Yeah, and that's also like a minimum number. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of abide by like the old sales rule because my old job was in sales. It's like, yeah, contact 30 people, three might get back to you, and then one might be a sale. Yes. So I've been trying to abide by that. But I think at this point, I've contacted like 60 to 75 different organizations. And I've heard back from Alan. <laughs> and, then somebody, <laughs> and then somebody else who uh, who didn't end up working out. But yeah, that's where I'm at with the proposal process. Okay, so there's sort of several elements for those listening to this. Number one is right at the top, how many people are you contacting? And then are they interested in the initial preliminary discussions, then sending a proposal and then following up to get that sale? And just to position this, I have a slightly different view of where a proposal should come in to the process. And let me tell you why. In the early days when I was running the Rebel Business School, I was out there trying to get business and you'd have a phone call. And almost as a matter of the flow, at the end of the first phone call, people would say, just send me a proposal. Now, my question is, did those people actually want a proposal or were they just trying to get rid of me? Yeah, I think that's a pretty valid question. I've had a little bit of a a different experience because I'm kind of going... Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar. I'm going primarily off of like job boards because there's a lot of postings for audio engineering and audio production because, you know, 
everyone and their mother has a podcast these days. (laughs) 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 So I know that there is a need for a producer slash editor slash manager. But the issue is, I guess, sticking out from the competition. Okay, so you're sending off proposals to these. So we know there's a need. Yes, we know there's a need. Because in my instance, like they were broadly interested, but they hadn't really decided whether they wanted it. And I would then send a proposal. And a proposal is really easy to say no to, Patrick, because it's not a live human being on the phone. You can actually say no to it very easy and just reply with two words saying no, thank you. Or you don't even have to reply. Most people just ignore proposals. That's been the majority of it for me. It's just getting flat out ignored. Yes. So for me, a proposal is never an early element in the sales process. It's actually just a rubber stamp of what you've agreed on the phone or in different ways. Because what I used to do was send out proposals all the time and it would never come back to me. And actually one of the biggest ones, I remember I found this a bit like you with the job boards. We found this big deal. It was for entrepreneurship for young people. I was super excited. It was exactly what we wanted to do. They wanted us to help a thousand young people. And I was like a thousand young people. We could help 5,000 young people. I was so excited. Simon, I, Henry, we spent weeks on this proposal and the tender and we sent it off and uh, we got rejected. I'm like, why did you reject me? Why did you reject me? And it's because we didn't write what they wanted on the thing. We wrote something completely different. And my learning over the years has been never, ever send a proposal until you've actually spoken to the person or asked them a few questions. Okay. If you're just firing it off in response to something, like we haven't taken the time to understand them. We haven't connected with them. We're just like putting our energy into something that the chances are we'll never ever hear something back. So I want something from these people first. Like if I'm going to spend my time writing you a proposal, I want it to be valuable for both of us. So tell me, what's this question? What's that question? And I want to, I want to get in and understand them first. Does that make sense? That does make a lot of sense. And that's typically how I operate too. I like to touch base with someone before I try to become their employee. The downside to that is this whole system I'm on is just anonymous. So you send it out there into the ether and you hope they see it. They might not. And they might just hire someone else. So it's kind of like I'm in this world where I'm just kind of shoveling this effort into a fire (laughs) and hoping something comes out of it. Which is that Upwork, People Per Hour, Fiverr, where are you on? Primarily Upwork, People Per Hour, and Fiverr. I've put less time into, but I've gotten like more credentials on my Upwork profile. So I think that's probably where I should be focusing my efforts. Okay. So when you find someone on a job board on Upwork, can you send them questions? The only thing you can really do is send them a proposal. I could be wrong. Uh, like I'm on it right now. Uh, I pulled it up just for reference, and I'm currently saying a bunch of things to stall while it loads. But like, <laughs> <laughs> like you click on one thing, and the only thing you can really do is send them a proposal. There's no option to message them. The only options you have are to either save it to kind of like backlog it for consideration on your end or submit a proposal. So there is no option to ask questions? No. Like sometimes they'll provide some insight in the job description as to like who they are 
who they work for. For example, this job posting, I think is a good example of that. I immediately researched everything. I think I messaged you when I first got hired and was like, hey, I've listened to the back catalog of your episodes. And uh, you were like, oh, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> like, that's a lot of uh, man hours. But yeah, so I, if I do have that option to put the effort in, I do. But a lot of the time, it's you're just kind of shooting something to an anonymous user. Which is not ideal. It's not the best way to do it. Yeah. So my thoughts are, number one, can you find them off the system? Because sometimes they say, we are this podcast, we are this thing. Can you find them a different way and send them a message and say, I've seen your job proposal. I'm really intrigued. I just had a couple of questions and actually take them off the system. Yeah, that's definitely something I would like. I mean, I've never asked them for questions. I've just done research on the company and tried to incorporate it into my proposal. Which what the website says, what the podcast says is quite often very different to what the reality behind the doors are. Let's be honest, the brochure website says one thing, but the reality of working for that person, what they really want, how it works is going to be very different. We need to understand that as we pitch. And most people are not good at writing briefs to get people. They're not good. They're not concise. They're not got the right information. They're not what you need. You need a little bit more. And if you're saying, I need a way to stand out, Patrick, then that's it. Connect with them and ask the questions. And if you're listening to this about proposal writing, never just blankly send off the proposal if you can help it. Like I get the system and I get what's happening, but if you're blankly sending off proposals, you're just in the mix with every other proposal. You've not had a chance to connect. You've not had a chance to ask questions. You've not had a chance to say what you're going to be good at. You just, it's really difficult to stand out. And obviously, we're going to go on to how you do that. How do you stand out? But at the first point, don't send the proposal until you've spoken to them. So, in terms of that, would you recommend, you know, only applying for contracts where I can establish a basic communication with them beforehand? Preferably. Yes. Okay. Because like at the moment, you've sent 60, 70 proposals and you've been blanked. Like that's a massive amount of time, a huge amount of time. If you'd have spent less time writing the proposals and more time connecting with people, 60, 70, maybe we would have got two responses saying, this is interesting. Okay, I'll answer your questions and come back to you. Then you've got communication. Then you can write a proposal that actually answers what they're looking for. Because- what people want and what they write are often two different things. Have you experienced that? Yeah. And I feel like I, like, I mean, what I mean by firsthand experience with that is I don't think I properly like convey who I am or what I'm capable of in the proposal, which is also a massive pain point for me. Which makes it very difficult. Makes yeah. it very difficult. Okay. So I think we've, we've had the number one point. I think for everyone listening this, do not send the proposal earlier. Do not send the proposal right at the start. You need to connect. You need to ask questions. And if you're just going off a message board, like try and speak to the person before you send them the proposal. Otherwise, you're just throwing darts into the abyss and it is going to end up being one of those soul-sucking things where you're throwing your energy out there for very little return. That's point number one. So let's 
move on to what makes a good proposal. So if we've actually like spoken to them, we've actually understood them, we've read their brief, we've asked some clarifying questions, we've connected, Patrick, then it does really come down to the proposal. And the proposal should be just the rubber stamping of what you've agreed. Like on the phone call, you should have found out what's going on with their company, what are they trying to achieve, how are they measuring success, what's the value to the project to them, how long do they want it to last, like all of those different things, even floated some ideas to get some feedback. Then, only then, when you've already like pretty much agreed the deal, <laughs> the proposal is like the rubber stamp of what you've already agreed. Do you see how that's kind of different to the just replying to the board and sending it out there? So you're saying, like, basically put the job in your pocket by communicating with them before you even send them a proposal? Yes. Yes. Like, before I waste your time making you read a long proposal, and I waste my time writing a long proposal that doesn't really give you what you need, let me understand what you're trying to do. All right. I think that's a very solid point because often I don't. I don't know what I'm signing up for. (laughs) (laughs) What do you need? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of sending it in. And it's fascinating when you do that because you're just kind of writing off going, I hope I've understood what they need. Okay. I think we uncovered a very alarming truth. (laughs) 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 Do you know why I'm saying this? I do know why you're saying it. Yeah. Because if like, I mean, it's just a waste of everybody's time. If you, if I'm sending them a proposal, applying for a job that I fully don't comprehend, then whoever's going to like give it a brief glance, I'm wasting their time. And most importantly, I'm wasting, that sounds narcissistic, but like I'm wasting my time by just sending things their way. Yes, that is exactly right. And I'm saying this because I have wasted so much of my own time writing proposals for people who I didn't really understand what they actually wanted. So this is coming from painful experience as well. Well, I've got a little bit of painful experience in that subject too. Good. Yeah. (laughs) So let's make some changes. Let's work on that. And at the Rebel Business School, we speak to a lot of clients out there about what we're doing, and we will never send a proposal until we've spoken to them. It's just a waste of our time. Yeah. I think it's a waste of my time too. So let's get straight into the meat of this. The elements of a good proposal. What do you think you should start a proposal with? Usually my cover letter because Mm -hmm. it's kind of applying to be a part-time employee, a contractor in a way. So we start with the cover letter and what does the cover letter start with? It starts with dear hiring manager. Mm-hmm. And then also just kind of how excited I am to be applying for that position. I list a brief summary of my experience and mention that it's going to be like useful to their team. After that, I go a little more into my experience, like the nitty gritty, the stuff that was kind of really, I guess, tough to navigate uh, with previous experience. But that's kind of not speaking on this front because I haven't, I've had challenges working for you. I haven't had tough to navigate situations. Alan's a great boss, everybody. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So look, let me just pause you there. That opening, who is that opening about? Me. Mm -hmm. And what are they interested in? What I can do for them. What are they really interested in? Making money. Mm, Maybe it's making money, but it's like fixing their problems. Like they're hiring you for a reason 
And actually, they're really interested in what do I get out of this? And I have this thing with presentations. Let me give you the example in presentations, and then we'll come back to how that fits to proposals. How do 99% of presentations start? With like a cover slide title and someone, like an introduction on who the person is that's giving Mm -hmm. the presentation. And it goes something like, uh, hello, I'm Alan. I've been teaching presenting skills and business for 27 years. I've worked for these companies. I've got 17 staff and I've got offices in Basingstoke, Birmingham and Blackburn. That definitely wasn't Alan, but continue. (laughs) (laughs) But is that a good start to a presentation? I mean, I would typically say yes, but the voice you chose makes me say, no, that's kind of just like you're going on about yourself. If you're sat in a presentation and someone puts their name up front, do you ever remember it? Oh, no. That's a very good point. And then halfway through, you have to go to the person next to you. Who is this? (laughs) If they're interesting. (laughs) And here's the bit. Please take this in the right way because it's the same for me. No one cares who you are until you've shown that you can provide value. Okay. That was not taken as an insult. I think it's a good rule of thumb for life. And actually, like, so if you talk about a stand-up comedian, when does a stand-up comedian introduce their name during a set? They don't. Someone else does it for them. They have, like, the little warm-up. But when do they put their own name? When do they say their name? At the end. Exactly. They go, thank you very much. I've been Alan Donegan. Good night. (laughs) As they charge off stage. Why do they put their name at the end? Kind of like a signature, like that person made them or entertained the audience for an extended period of time. So they want them to know who they are to check them out in the future. And if they put it at the end, are you more likely to remember it if they've been good? Yeah, absolutely. Because they've got to grab your attention with some comedy or something or get into it. Otherwise, you'll never remember their name. And here's the bit. Proposals generally start in exactly the same way presentations do. They start with, hi, I'm Patrick. I've been managing podcasts for three years. I've got skills in this and that. I'm like, who cares? Tell me what you can do for me first. That's all about you. It's not about them. So hypothetically speaking, if I'm rewriting this cover letter or in a proposal, I guess, I refer to it as like the first page. The first thing I should address is not necessarily what my skills are, but like kind of saying like, I'm the person who can take your podcast in the direction that you were looking to move in. I would start with them. I'd start with their current reality. So if it's for a particular podcast, I go, okay, your current reality is you run this podcast, you produce two episodes a week, you've got these graphics, I've had a look at it. And you are looking for someone to help you with these different bits. You're showing you understand them. You're showing you've read the brief. You've connected with them. You're not just like dumping in the standard Patrick paragraph that says, I'm excited to work with you, that everyone else does the same. Okay. So pointing out what's going on with them. Current reality. Current reality for them. Current reality for them. And then what would you say? Not to jump ahead if you had more to say, but like that second paragraph, you kind of want to jump into like... Objectives. What are you trying to achieve? Like how I can make their future brighter. Like, okay, current reality and your objectives are this. You want the podcast professionally produced. You want them sounding great. You want it managed. You want this. Like, what are the objectives? So this is like, have we even mentioned who you are yet? No, we have not. 
No, because they don't care yet. They only care about who you are if you can show that you can do a good job for them and help them. So very short paragraph, current reality, like what are they actually looking for? What are they doing? What's good for them? And then what are their objectives? And we're more or less like what this should really be is a replay back of what you've agreed on the phone call, what you've agreed through the communication and the questions. That's what it should be. And they should be reading this going, yep, yep, yep. He understands us. He gets it. He understands us. This is awesome. Can you see how that's different to reading your CV? I do see how that's different because I my CV, like I'll admit it now, it's just kind of a copy and paste every time with like a couple changes every now and then. Yeah. And we can sense that. You could, <laughs> hiring people can sense that. Like you can just smell a copy and paste a million miles off. And it's okay to copy and paste some of those bits later on by the time they're excited about who you are. But before that, like, I can just smell it. It's like, I'm really excited. It's like, no, you're not. You're just filling out another proposal. You can just smell it. So here's the elements of a good proposal. Number one, what's their reality? Number two, what is their objectives? Number three, how are we going to measure success? And this is a really interesting one. Because do you remember when we did the uh, marketing mini experiments episode, Patrick, and we hired all these people to come and work for us and promote the show? Yeah, I do remember that. What was our measure of success? We had two. It was percentage of audience grown and number of new audience members. Yeah, like new listeners and downloads was the basic one. And then about halfway through, one of them messaged and said, I've got you loads of reviews. It's like, I didn't even ask you to get us reviews. Like that wasn't the game. It was to increase the audience. They didn't even understand the measures of success. So saying to these people, okay, I'm understanding this is how you are going to measure whether I am successful for you or not. And it is quality of podcast produced. It is this, it is number of downloads. It is reduction in stress for you. You feel more calm and control of your podcast. I know whatever the measure of success is that you can then say to them afterwards, did we achieve this? Like That's a completely different way of looking at it. Most people don't like to have their success measured because they're afraid. <laughs> what I would be saying to you is go into it with, here's how I want you to measure me. And I, this is what I want to be measured against. And I want to deliver this for you, which is exact opposite of what most people do, which is just give me the generic job and pay me per hour. Uh, And then I can hide. That's very much how I've been operating. (laughs) Well, actually, (laughs) I I mean, in terms of proposals, but like, that's one thing that kind of bugs me about writing the proposals is when I take on a project, I do personally invest a lot of time into it, Mm -hmm. which I hope you've noticed in some capacity. But yeah, that's, that's another gripe I have with this whole process is that I can't really display how much I'm actually going to put into it. And I think that's a fantastic thing to include in the cover letter or the first page or however the site I'm applying on's format is structured just to kind of show that like, I want to be measured by this. I want to hit these goals and I want to be of this much value to you. Perfect. Which actually brings us on to the fourth bit is what's the value to them. And by them, I mean the stakeholders because they're probably different people There's the value you're providing to their audience. There's the value that you're providing to them as the show host. There's the value you're providing to different stakeholders within it. 
And I always remember one of my most successful proposals, a bit that stuck out. I was applying to run an entrepreneurship program for schools and I was doing this exact exercise and it really hit me that there were three different stakeholders I had to show value for. Stakeholder number one was the teachers who were buying me. What do they want? They want engaged students. They want the stress and the pressure taken away from them. They want all sorts of different things. Number two is the students themselves. What are they getting out of this? Like, how are they better off after it? They've learned business skills that will be directly applicable in life that will help them on their next stage. And then number three is the parents. They have different goals to the students and the teachers. And saying, here's the value for these different groups, if there are different groups, I think is a really important thing. So for a podcast, you might be saying, here's my value to you as the podcast manager, and here's my value to your audience. And I think I can bring these two things, the value to the audience, improved audio quality, more concise episodes, better edited, the value to you. I take the stress away from you. I follow through on what I'm doing. I manage my projects really well. And you've got different value. But like, we really need to talk about what your value is to them. Yeah. And I don't know if you can like look at me like nervously looking at my cover letter after having this conversation i have like none of that in it <laughs> it's, it's all just like it's all just like wow i love podcasting this is what i do with it and like that's true but like who cares i guess i'm starting to realize a little bit of enthusiasm is good energy is good like sales is the transfer of enthusiasm to one person to another like you need to have that enthusiasm but if it's all about you like if the whole thing is about you, and here's the bit, I'd love everyone to get this listening to it. Patrick, if you can do this whilst we talk, do a search in your cover letter. You know, you can search for how many times certain words show up. Yeah. There's a test. How many times does the proposal say I or we versus how many times does the proposal say you? If the proposal has more I's or we's, who's it talking about? Me. Mm -hmm. And if it has more use, who's it talking about? Them, their needs. The as customer. Opposed to needs. Yeah. Exactly. And can you guess which one converts better? <laughs> Definitely the use. <laughs> oh, man. You can see my face reading it, can't you? Uh-oh. I, I don't know how to do the command, so I just searched it. It's like nine to four, I think. Nine to four. So it's sort of nine eyes or wees and four use. Yes. They're not even like yous. They're like your team. That's what I'll say. Okay. So they're like yours as opposed to yous directly. Yeah. So it's probably 70% about you and 30% about generically them. Uh, I would say less. I'd say it's probably like 9 to 10. <laughs> <laughs> like I have oh, this Patrick. thing burnt into my brain at this point and it's, it's like I can answer with the confidence. I'm, I guess I come across as kind of like an egomaniac in a way. <laughs> this is normal. This yeah. is what everyone does because they think the proposal should be all about them. Like, I am this. I am good at this. I am great at this. I will help you with this. At least that has, I will help you. But it's all about I and what I can do. It's not about what you need, what you want, what you're measuring, what your objectives are. And that just changes everything. And 
I'm only doing this to help you, Patrick. I love you. I appreciate it. So for everyone listening, this is what the homework is. Go away and do that search on your proposals, on your letters, on your documents. How many times does it say I or we? And how many times does it say you? And then just compare the two. Uh, yeah, I can strongly recommend that now. This is, so, <laughs> <laughs> this is super useful because like, these are things I would have never thought about. I was very much operating under the pretense like, all right, cover letter looks good. Profile looks good. What's going wrong? Why am I not getting replies? Why am I not getting business? Why am I not a millionaire yet? <laughs> That's a bad metric to measure success by, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. I do. So we've had one current reality, two objectives, three measures of success, four, the value to the stakeholders, because there might be different people. And then five is options. And I learned a very powerful lesson with this one very early on when I was writing proposals. It was actually the first time I ever wrote a proposal for the pop-up business school, as it was at the time, Rebel Business School. And I wrote this proposal and I was doing a lot of research. So this one particularly comes from Alan Weiss, who wrote The Millionaire Consultant. And he's got some great books, some great content. He's very good. And what he said was, your proposals should include options. This might be a bit more difficult, Patrick, on Upwork. However, there's a way to do it. And hopefully, we've opened communications that we can do this. But if I send you a proposal with one option, what are the only two possible answers? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. If I send you a proposal with three options, what are the possible answers? There's six possible answers, three different stances for yes or no, or even more because they can maybe blend two of those options together. There you go. So they're like, I like this bit of one and I like this bit of three. And actually, there's a lot more options. There's a lot more things they can say yes and no to. And there's the possibility that they come back and negotiate and say, I like this bit and I like this bit. Can you do this for me? Do you see how that's less likely just to be rejected? Yeah, because there's, there's like an understanding right from the get that you're flexible. Absolutely. And there's a really interesting point. Your three options, there should be one that's like a basic option. There should be one, a middle option, and then there should be the stretch option. So there's like a relatively cheap, a medium, and a big amount. What's the purpose of the high value one? Uh, I do not know. <laughs> I was going to try to come up with something there. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. To entice them that there's more to be offered, maybe? That's all I can think about? Well, it's quite interesting. So I was... Like, let me give you a completely random example. I was going online. I'm a big fan of Disney World and Disney stuff, and I wanted to go there with my wife. So I put in our dates, I looked at it, and it brings up the options of the hotels. And I scroll down to the bottom, and I look at the price of it. It was like 16 grand for the week. What do you think that did to my blood pressure and my face? Probably not good things. Not a <laughs> I was like, how much? <laughs> how, the, yeah. how much? And then I scrolled back down and there was like the lower value ones were like 1500 for a week. And what am I feeling when I look at those? Oh, relief. I see what you're saying now. It's like, okay, they're capable of providing this much of whatever you're looking for for way too much. Or they can, you know, help you out. 
<laughs> at, at this point. So I looked at the ones further down, and even though it was still 200 a night, which is a huge amount, I thought to myself, that's quite reasonable. Yeah. And the bigger third option actually sets the bar a bit higher, and you want them to go for the middle one. Okay. But it's a positioning piece to look. You could have this perfect thing for all of this cash, and then it makes them go, whoa, that's a lot. This middle one sounds perfect. And it completely changed the way you look at this. Supermarkets do it with wine. You have the like £50 bottle or the $50 bottle. You have the $10, $12 bottle and you have the $5 bottle. And you look at the $5 bottle and you go, that's not going to taste any good based on price. You look at the 50 or 71 go, I'm not going to afford that. And you go for the 12 one in the middle. It's human nature. It's how we operate. I'll let you know right now the Disneyland example was better because I always go for that $5 bottle. (laughs) But I see what you're saying. So it's about having the options in there. Like sometimes you will have it where you've just got to give them what they want, but you can do that. Okay, you've asked for this in Upwork specifically. Here's the price for that specifically. And then if you want to add in X, Y, Z, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And you can give them a bit of upsell that they might actually be interested in. So I still think even within that system, there's a way for you to be able to go add this, add that, add the other back in the proposal to make it more of a broader thing. Yeah. And I I think I kind of want to say something like to anyone who is like working on Upwork and like maybe thinking this advice may not be applicable in any way. I very much think it is. I just kind of want to like mention that it's probably better to be applying in terms of quality, like you said, someone you can establish a base of contact with beforehand, as opposed to quantity, which is the method I've been taking and it has not been working. (laughs) (laughs) So I figured I would throw that out there as like a, this is my first time being like, oh, here's the takeaway lesson. (laughs) Yes. Well, I love that. And what's the only real way to know if my advice works? Uh, Through application. Is to test it. That's it. Let's run a mini experiment. Uh, (laughs) And that's what we need to do. So maybe what we could do is get you to take away these ideas and implement them over the coming weeks and then come back and let us know how you get on. I am very much looking forward to doing that. Perfect. Hopefully I have good news. Everyone you've had on the podcast has good news on the (laughs) follow-up. I don't want to be the first to disappoint. (laughs) Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes they come back and go, oh, it didn't work, Alan. And then we have to go again and go again. And yeah. like, that's normal life. But so far, you got Christina, full-time, killing it. Jamie, funded in one day. Those are my expectations right now for myself. I got to beat that. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of other pieces to give you. That's the main elements. If you were doing this off Upwork and in real life, you'd put in terms and conditions. So price, payment terms, and that stuff, and then you would just end with sign this thing to approve it. So it actually has a like space. Like if you're going to a physical meeting with this, you get them to sign it in pen. If you're sending it by email, like just say, all you need to do is reply with your signature and we'll get on and do it. And you've got to make it as easy as you can for them to say yes. And one of my favorite expressions is, All you need to do is say yes, and we'll take care of the details. I'm stealing that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Using that and that from now on. A couple of other overall points. Use their language. 
Okay. So if you are reading their brief or you've spoken to them on the phone, write down the exact words they use for what they want and use their exact language. Don't then take it and translate it into your podcast language or a different language. Use their language. If I see that you've written the reply in my language, how do I feel? Pretty good. Like, oh, this guy gets what we're talking about and thinks he can help in a strong capacity. So that's the guy I want to interview. They understand me. Like he's yeah. listened. And I'll tell you what, it's unbelievable how many people don't even listen. Like I just, I feel like I write stuff and then you get replies and you're like, you've clearly not even read what I've said. Like you need to prove you've listened to the briefing and you do that by using their language, by almost repeating some of it back to them. And that's okay because they'll go, oh, this is excellent. This is exactly what I want. Okay. I'm getting some, some pretty good ideas right now churning in my head. <laughs> I think I've been more of like a speaker as opposed to a parrot, which a healthy blend of the two could definitely be useful. I think a lot of what you're saying is very like I my perspective on this hasn't changed since I've started doing this three months ago, full time three months ago. And it's like kind of refreshing to have that like, like I have like new ideas in my head jumbling around that I kind of just want to like try <laughs> like as soon as possible. Right now. Yes. Yeah. I've applied to six contracts since we started recording. <laughs> well, this is the thing, is that I think we do what we've been taught in school, which is to start things with who you are, what you do, and it's very formulaic, and it's the way you do things. But if you want to stand out, if you want different results, you have to do something different. And I have this this thing that I say repeatedly at the Rebel Business School is if you want the same results as everyone else, do the same things as everyone else. If you want different results, do something different. If you want exceptional results, do something exceptional. And actually, it takes you bucking the norms, bucking the trends, bucking what everyone else does, and doing it differently to really make a difference. And if you're replying to these message boards anything you can to stand out and show them you understand them, that is going to make all the difference. Okay. Sorry if it comes across as I'm like, okay, like I'm trying to like properly internalize it and like formulate a strategy around it in real time. But yeah, no, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. What's the only way to internalize this? By writing it down? By doing it. That's By it. Doing like it. That's, okay. The only way is to do it. The only way to internalize it is to do it. It's like reading a book about doing something. You can know what you should do, but until you actually go and put it into practice, you'll never really understand it at that deeper level. So if, what I would suggest to you is what we need to do right now is finish the podcast, <laughs> pick a couple of people to reply to and send them a different proposal and a different style, or even send them a message off there, find their details and say, I see you are doing this. Can I connect? I'd love to work with you. I've got a few questions for you before I write my proposal and see if you can connect with a few people. Because I tell you what, if you sent, I don't know, 60, 70 messages to people who have those jobs, as opposed to sending out 60 or 70 blank proposals or generic proposals, do you think you might get a couple of responses that say, yes, let's chat? I think I get significantly more responses right now. Like I said, 
I've kind of been approaching from a quantity over quality perspective. So that's where we're going to start. Patrick, tell me, what are you actually going to do now? Uh, right now, I'm going to hop on job boards and immediately, as opposed to start sending out applications that I think I could fulfill the role, I'm going to try to single out applications that have information listed, websites, podcasts, do a little bit of research, try to touch base with them firsthand and simultaneously while waiting for those replies before I submit a proposal, I think I'm going to rewrite my cover letter. I love that. Fantastic. That's excellent. That's what you're going to do. Before I summarize and give people the different elements that I'd love them to focus on going forwards, tell people if they need a podcast manager, if they're looking for someone to help, if they can find you, where can they hire you, Patrick? They can find me on LinkedIn and Upwork. Upwork, just search for Patrick Maroney, podcast editor. You'll find me. I'm the only Patrick Maroney podcast editor on the website. That's a win. Thank God there's that other guy with that name. And then the other place you can find me is LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Patrick W-M-O-R-O-N-E-Y. Perfect. So if you're looking for someone to help with your podcast, I can recommend Patrick. He's slightly annoying, but lovely. Please reach out to him. He's great. And for those of you listening, here's what I want you to take away from the proposal writing podcast episode. Number one, do not send proposals out before trying to talk to them, connect with them and understand them. Your job is to understand first. That's it. If you don't truly understand, ask questions, get to understand them. That's how you're going to stand out. Number two, focus on the elements of a good proposal. Start with a current reality for their world. What are they looking for? What are they doing? What's going on with them? Don't start with you. Number two, objectives. What are they actually trying to achieve? Number three, what are the measures of success? How do you want to be measured? How do we know if you've even done a successful job for this? Number four, what's the value you're providing to the different stakeholders? Because there's probably more than one group of people that are involved in this. And number five, what are the options? What are the different options? Preferably three, one expensive one at the end, which will set the price. So what are the options you're providing for them? And then end with the payment terms and a signature and sign here. Those are the elements of a good proposal. Then a couple of other small bits, use their language. So you're communicating to them in the way they have communicated to you. And then go through it at the end and count up the I's and we's and the U's and make sure your proposals are focused on what they get, not you. So have a go, test it out, contact some people, understand them, and then get to writing proposals that will back up what you've already agreed by email, by phone call, whatever way you can. If you want different results, do something different. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Go out there because the extraordinary belongs to those that create it. So the magic of podcast land, a day has now passed. Patrick, <laughs> give us an update. What happened since we had this epic talk about proposals and writing? Literally everything you told me like instantaneously worked. Like it was, <laughs> it was one of the most <laughs> banana, like 
uh you ever like notice when like a, like a kid gets a piece of candy or something that's how it's my like, face Whoa. was yeah the second that they hung up like I, I i'll explain everything real quick i found a proposal online didn't have any of their information but they had clips of their podcast looked up the podcast looked up the business associated with the podcast decided to call and say hey i'm about to submit a proposal i think what you're doing is very cool and i'd love to talk with the hosts about it they immediately called me back not immediately like an hour and a half later they called me back and i had that's like an quick hour, an hour and a half long conversation with this guy and he was like get your proposal in we vibed like immediately like having that phone conversation was definitely the game changer as opposed to just sending it to the ether and uh yeah now we're in talks to have me be his employee which is pretty cool <laughs> It was very, very fast. <laughs> this is literally like 24 hours since we've spoken. Not, and you've already had the was, first contact. Alan, it was 14 hours. Incredible. 14 hours after we hung up. It was crazy. It was crazy. So to everyone listening to this, what do you want to say? Whatever we talked about. I have the Sparknotes version. I'm not going to try to ramble on about it off the top of my head. But that advice works. If you're sending a proposal, please do it. Listen to this podcast before you start sending proposals because it, it works. <laughs> get on the phone. 70, Speak to people. 75 straight denials. And then I get a little bit of advice from Alan and I'm one for one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. Just caveat asterisks that will not happen to everyone who listens to this podcast. It might take you a few. Patrick has been on a learning curve, but please do listen to the advice get on the phone, reach out to people, talk to them, connect. There's nothing like personal connection. Oh, yes. So take action, make it happen. I love it. Patrick, keep on ringing. Will do. Hey, this is just Pat checking in again. Uh, it's been about three weeks since we recorded the episode, and I just wanted to let everybody know that Alan's tips have worked fantastically for me. So I highly recommend you follow them. I have... Lended a bunch of interviews, lended a bunch of new clients. It's been very good for me. So please, if you're struggling in the same place I was back in early July, it is now early August, take this advice. I mean, it's kind of life-changing. That's it. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.